Hello and welcome to this Chamber Conversations podcast. Today we're going to be celebrating entrepreneurship with three of the very best in the region. I'm joined by Doug from White Digital, Emma of EW Estates and Jenny from Netno. Thanks very much for coming along. Pleasure. And can I start with you please Emma? Could you tell me a bit about your business? Um, we'll do that as a round robin, and then I'll come back and ask you to t- talk me about the route that you took to get to that place. Absolutely. Um, so I run a firm of RICS surveyors and valuers. Um, we're based in Ashington. We do mainly pre-purchase surveys, so what used to be known as home buyer and building surveys, um, and help to buy valuations. Um, we do a little bit of commercial, um, some court approved valuation works and court surveys um, and also some defects so if someone's had some work done that they're not very happy with we can go in and give a professional opinion so some expert witness stuff oh that's great thank you Doug can you explain what white digital does I know it says it it says it in a sense but it's probably not everything I'm imagining <laughs> no so uh, I mean originally we first started out the core services was web design and development um, and then as we kind of progressed on, we, we moved into like SEO work, so search engine optimization, so appearing high in Google for, for things. Uh, and then that kind of progressed on it, the, in, into managing people's digital strategies as a whole, uh, of which we deliver quite a large percentage of it in-house, but there's often when you're managing every channel for an e-commerce site or even a B2B brochure site or something like that, to have every service in-house is you'd need a team of hundreds really to do it properly. So, you know, we pull different agencies in for different parts of things as well. Um, so really the whole the whole point of it was is generally if someone gets a website, a new website built, it's not because they want a new website, it's because they want an effect from having a new website, which is generally like inquiries or increased sales or conversions or something like that. And generally just delivering a site is not going to get what the, the actual thing that they actually really want. It does sometimes, but not always. So it was a case of trying to look at, you know, what's the actual real provision of value part of it and it was kind of like a, the, the full service kind of bit or at least managing the, the marketing after the fact as well and um, so we kind of really look for people that are looking to actually increase the amount of inquiries that they get or the amount of sales that they're making or the return on their ad spend or their return on investment whatever you want to call it and that's what we want to be like held accountable to is, is that um, so that's kind of like us in a nutshell that's great I know um, the companies that we deal with in the chamber who are involved in the digital landscape, they seem to be absolutely thriving. But mm-hmm. I know for myself, from the start of my career, with websites, quite often there's the challenge between everybody. Some part of a company client I used to find was quite often obsessed with how it all looks and less so about functionality. And there also all seem to be a tussle between IT and graphics. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's lovely to hear that you're actually looking at functionality and it can look really pretty, but is it actually doing the job? <laughs> so yeah. Fun. And sometimes like a pretty thing, that's a subjective thing. One person's going to think it's nice. Another person's going to think it's not nice. A lot of the time, you know, if you, if you've got a left brain data, look at the whole thing and you're looking at the numbers of it, the assets really become secondary because it's like, well, if the majority of people want the button to be read in, in that position, then it really needs to be read in that position. It doesn't matter if you, you're not a massive fan of it or whatever. So it's interesting when you look at it from that point of view. Absolutely. And Jenny, can I come to you? Because I know networking is at the core of your business, but explain a bit about what your proposition is. Yeah, so I run Netno, which is based in the Northeast, and it's essentially a networking agency, um, if that's a thing. 
Um, if not, I invented it. Um, so I'm really passionate about networking and about empowering people to get more from networking opportunities. So I teach networking skills and I create networking strategies. Um, and that's a mix. I mean, the teaching networking skills can be to anyone from like school year kids all the way through to, I teach a lot of academics. So a lot of the work I do is not even B2B. People often think of networking as a business development function, which it is, but it's for a lot more than that. So it's giving people the skills and tools they need to effectively talk to each other. But I'm really passionate about helping them do that strategically. So that's where the strategy creations come in. So I've been networking professionally for about 16 years and created a, a networking ecosystem that I now use to, to help people position themselves at the right events to meet the right people to achieve their objectives. You're right, actually, I know historically, you always tend to think of networking, oh, well, you just go and you're having a cup of coffee and you're probably just talking to your friends. But you very kindly wrote an article for us for one of our future reports of, about the benefits of networking and how to be strategic. And to be truthful, it was something I thought, actually, I don't think I'll do that. And obviously I work for um, the chamber, which is okay. networking and it's lifeblood. <laughs> that's what i'm here for changing yeah. that absolutely um what, what we're going to do at the end uh, of this conversation is actually suggest some tips for people and i'm sure you're all going to have such a wealth of information and, not, and obviously your, your sectors are quite different um so it'll all it'll all come together beautifully i'm sure <laughs> if i can just come back to you emma so i haven't come across many people um, many females who run your kind of business so can you tell me a bit about your route did you leave school and think right I'm going to take over the estate agency world absolutely not <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could say I dreamt about being a surveyor but I didn't I kind of fell into property um so I ran a business previously um I had my little boy um so my husband was working nine till five and I was working evenings and weekends and that balance just didn't exist and it was really difficult so um, I actually gave up the business and I decided I was going to go and do administ and go and be an admin assistant in a lettings company. Um, I just wanted to do nine or five, close the door and that would be the end of it. And that was beautiful for about 10 days. And I was bored beyond belief. Um, uh, very good at it though, I haven't said that, <laughs> when you had all that massive knowledge. Yeah, but it was, I was just demented. And I think when you go from running a business with so many ideas and then you, what I thought I wanted just wasn't wasn't right. Um, so uh, yeah, I've done about 10 years in property. Just before lockdown hit, I thought it would be a great idea to go on my own. There's not really a firm of surveyors in the Northeast, specifically who focus on residential. Um, there's kind of all of the big corporates or bigger companies who do a lot of commercial stuff or there's kind of one man bands and nothing in the middle. And I really wanted to kind of fill that gap, essentially, um, but also do it with a really good level of customer service. And I think many people who book a survey, if you've ever had a survey done on your property, you become a number and you become a case number. Um, but actually, it's one of the most stressful times that anybody will ever go through. And it's about holding people's hands. And that's what we do or I like to think we do very well. Um, so yeah, it was it was never a plan that I'd dreamt of from being a, I don't think any six-year-old says, I'm going to be a surveyor when I'm a big girl or a big boy. Um, but yeah, it, it, I kind of fell into property and really saw a gap. Um, and then lockdown decided to do all sorts of crazy stuff to the property market, which in my case was really lucky. But about two weeks in, when Boris decided that he was going to lock the whole country down, it was kind of head in hands thinking, what on earth have I done? Um, I was pregnant with our second child. We'd both gone self-employed. We'd just moved into a brand new house. 
And it was just like, why, why have, why have we even done this? This is stupid. Um, looking back, it was the best move we ever made. But at that time, surrounded by boxes, continuously being sick through morning sickness with a four-year-old running around, I was, it was just chaos. Um, and it's still just chaos. I'm not going to lie and say that it's all very beautifully organised because life just isn't. Um, but yeah, I think the key moment was the head in hands. I have to make this work. Um, and that's what brings us to the day. Wow, to do all that. Good for you. So, so with you, Doug, um, I said that you did, well, you were saying you didn't mind me asking you about getting expelled. So do you want to start from, from getting expelled? I'm going to start from expulsion. <laughs> it's a long way back down the line, that, by the way. But yeah, um, I mean, I... All I'm saying is behave yourself on this, if you don't mind. I'll try, I'll try to, yeah. I mean, yeah, so I, I did. I got expelled from, from school. Um, I was actually allowed to sit my GCSE, so I was banned from the property after that. And I wasn't like, I actually came back to play rugby against the school about six months later now that you got escorted off the property it's like you're not allowed to play rugby on this on this land sort of thing which gives you maybe a bit of an insight into my character when I was a 16 year old lad you know so you know probably not the best student and funny enough when I bump into my teachers they always remember me but probably not for a good reason you know um, so so yeah I didn't I wasn't I wasn't a very good student at all but you know I look back to like days in school and you know, I just remember getting really bored sat in the classroom environment. And what's really funny is when you, you grow up a little bit and you realise, you know, I'm actually quite an avid reader now and I actually really enjoy learning things. And, and But I would never, you'd never cast, catch me in a classroom sat listening to someone speak at the front of a room because I am going to get distracted and I'm not going to engage with that. Um, whereas I will sit down and read a book or listen to a podcast or watch a documentary or whatever and I'm, I'm going to engage with that. You know, so it's funny how really when you look back at, you know, just the way school's set up, it's kind of, it's it's good for someone who's going to learn with a teacher at the front of class. I unfortunately wasn't like that, decided to be a really naughty little boy at the same time. So, so anyway, left, left school and um, started working essentially and did a couple of other little odd jobs and whatnot. And then I, I ran a pub for when I was 18 years old, I was running, running the bar in the Redwell in Barney. Uh, and then decided that wasn't really for me and learned how to become a sailing instructor and then went and taught sailing out in France and then did that and then managed to blag my way into university and got and did a degree with no A-levels. So, you know, then how quite managed that really looking back. But then sat in a classroom for four years, so it's not speak at the front. So really didn't learn too much in my degree either, if I'm brutally honest with you. Uh, and then left and did another season teaching sailing and windsurfing in, in Egypt. And then when that finished, I was really fortunate to have an older brother who's an exceptionally good golfer and played golf on the European Tour. So he asked me to go and caddy for him. So... I did that for the next eight years. You've been and, living the life. Yeah, I have a little bit. I have had a very eclectic like career journey. Um, but the whole way through that, I was always trying to start different businesses, like little things, you know, like trying to sell windsurfing kit from Egypt back in the UK over at eBay and, and uh, trying to start my own pub. And um, I used to carry players' clubs around Europe in my camper van rather than fly around. So, I'd, you know, make a bit. So it was all, there was always kind of an entrepreneurial kind of like thread running through and then um, kind of sat like took a bit of spat for Caddy and worked for a web agency realized that I actually knew how to run that business better than the people that were kind of running the business if I'm brutally honest with you that then failed 18 months later and I bought what was left of it uh, which kind of gave us like a head start um, and then I kind of you know I carried on caddying for a while and selling websites when I was a caddying and so on and so forth and then a couple of years in 
you know, I'd kind of done with the caddy and I went at the at the business full time. And ever since then, it's just kind of gone off like a bit of a rocket, really. We haven't really looked back since. Um, but there was a lot of like massive failures in there as well. You know, it was a whistle stop tour. Um, but there was, you know, loads of times when essentially what just essentially wasn't working, hence having to go back to caddy again and things like that. So it was like a squiggly line when you look back at it sort of thing but there was kind of generally if you were to draw a straight line through that squiggly line there is some kind of direction like in the middle of it all you know um, and it's all like well and good sitting back now when you've got like 14 guys sat in an office here and then you've got a business up in in Gateshead that's got I think another 15 or 16 that work there as well and there's cash and revenue and there's money and there's people that can take a lot of the workload for you off all feels a lot easier now um, but like rewind back to me in a mate's back bedroom, bringing people ask if they want to buy a website. It wasn't much fun. <laughs> yeah. so. What about you, Jenny? Has your has your route been fun? Did you do anything overseas before you settled on your business proposition? Yeah, well, so I had a bit of an overseas adventure, but it was pre-uni, so I didn't know what I wanted to do at uni. To be fair, um, I didn't get kicked out of school like Doug did. Um, well <laughs> <laughs> proud of myself yeah I'm proud of you Jen, yeah. <laughs> but um I didn't know what I wanted to do um so I ended up living in Fiji with nuns and I worked in a deaf school so I learned sign language as you do um uh so that was a proper adventure and then traveled a lot on the way back and when I got back I thought all oh, right I'll go to uni like a grown-up person and did business and finance and that was my first kind of taste of a business I hadn't studied it before and I just absolutely loved it. And that was where I fell into networking as well. So I was in Liverpool and did some voluntary work at a CGI and animation company. And I still don't really understand what they do, but he took me along to a networking event and was like, don't tell anyone you're a student, you're business development manager. And I was like, okay. And then I got thrown into this room full of grown-ups in suits and handed a gin and tonic and told to talk to them. And I literally, I won't swear, but I, was very scared and hid, I hid, I spent most of the nights in the toilet. I'm not ashamed to say it. Uh, genuinely scared the bejesus out of us. So that was my first experience of networking, but forced myself to go to another event after. Um, and then three events in, I think I eventually plucked up the courage to go and speak to someone. Um, and then just absolutely fell in love with it, fell in love with what networking what, what it gave me and the access to all these people like that were doing all these awesome, amazing things. And after graduating, um, I started my first business, which was um, a job I invented where I was networking full time. So I used to go to like five, six events every day, Monday to Friday um, across Liverpool and Manchester on behalf of a lot of different people. So instead of just working for one business, I would take on a client, do a corporate analysis of them, their product services, and then I'd go to all the events. So as you know, when you go networking, the more people you know, the more people want to know you. So you get invited to all kinds of stuff that's not accessible to to you know just if you go to one event now and again so I went to all kind MTV awards international tennis all kinds of stuff didn't pay for food or wine for a year which was lush um but then after a year I didn't want to talk to anyone again so I decided to move back to Carlisle where I'm from I'm from Wetherill just outside outside Carlisle and took what I'd learned 
attending events and flipped it and launched my second business, which was hosting events. So I set up a network there. Um, and that was really hard at the time. Like people, people networked, but they didn't go to events to network. There wasn't networking events going on at that point. They knew each other and that's how they did business as people do, but they didn't actually need to go to events to do it. So it was quite difficult to kind of convince people they needed to invest in a membership to come a network. So it, it was a slow burner, but when it, when it worked and it kicked off about a year or so in, it went really well and there was, you know, it became like a nice little community, a little family. And I really loved that. Um, and I ran that for about four years or so. And then I met, I met my husband in Magaluf, as you do. Um, I was on a girl's holiday. He was on a lad's holiday. That old romantic <laughs> tale. Pardon? Get a tattoo. <laughs> I didn't get a tattoo at that holiday, no. I should have, but I didn't know. Um, but yeah, I met him and he's from the Northeast and I ended up um, selling that business, moving over to the Northeast and then um, stalked David Cook, the founder of the Muscle Club, till he let me um, run the Muscle Club. <laughs> so I became managing director there, um, worked there for about three years and then took a step back from running networks and worked in business support um, at Software City, which I absolutely adored getting to work with tech companies. But during that time of like attending, running, hosting events, I created this visual in my head of what events look like and how to how to recommend them to people. And I ended up taking that to Durham University and they did two rounds of academic research into that ecosystem to prove that it exists and stuff. And, and now that's what I use to, to create the strategies for businesses. But I'm similar to Emma. I had that moment where I was like, what have I done? So I was on I was on maternity leave from Southwest City with my first. And baby was, uh, Juno was only, she was only six months old. And I quit my job and I was like, I'm starting a networking agency. And then literally the week that my husband took over parental leave was the week the world stopped networking and the world just shut down. And I literally sat in this, I was on that little sofa and I was like, what have I done? And I could hear the baby crying downstairs and I was like, oh my word, I'm going to have to do something. Pull up my big girl pants and you just pivot and change the business model. So yeah, it's um, coming up to two years now, obviously, since that happened. And again, like Emma said, at the time it was like terrifying, but genuinely the best thing I've ever done. And yeah, it, and at the right time as well, it was the right time. People needed support to access networks and each other at that time. So I've been thankful. Uh, luckily I've been able to hopefully really help and add value to a lot of people, which which is what gives me that warm fuzzy feeling. So. I think yeah, with networking, we found with the chamber that some people are still a bit nervous about it and really out of sync. When I, I was at a big event um, at the weekend in Whitley Bay, I write this event with 200 people, which is the biggest event I've been in for donkey's years. And some of the people I was meeting were saying, I just, I'm a bit swapped. It was like a meal. Overwhelming, from- it is. Yeah. Uh-huh. We're told, you know, for two years, you're literally told that if you stand close to a stranger, you could die. That's basically what we've been told for two years. And it's what's been the case. So suddenly to now be thrown back into social situations and expected to just to slip back into it, it's not it's not going to happen and you know networking communication building relationships these are all skills that if we don't use they they die and we haven't used them for a couple of years so it's going to take time so we need to give ourselves a bit of a break i think everybody needs to be kind to themselves and certainly i'm in complete awe of a say of all of the three of your journeys but um if i can come back to you emma 
thanks very much for that, Jenny. But could you just explain if there was anybody in particular who was a mentor to you? Obviously, you said your your husband was also going self-employed. So who did you turn to to, to get you through those like the morning sickness and the, the baby things as well as the work things? Um, lots of people, to be really honest, I've been really lucky and surrounded by people who really wanted to see me succeed, which was really nice. And I think even if I didn't speak to those people all of the time, to know that I could was actually really, was really, really special. There's a couple of people that stand out. I One of the things I did when I set up this business was enlisted the help of a coach, a business coach, and to have somebody who I could just ring and go, ah, this isn't working, and to be able to kind of be told, right, just calm down, let's just work through it and talk through it. And it's always better when somebody else is kind of calming you down. And I think it's very easy to get caught up in the in the day-to-day stuff, and it's something that I struggle with all of the time, but actually to be pulled back down to earth and say, right, come on, let's work through it, let's do it, that's really, really helpful. Um, in terms of kind of other people, I had a really great boss previously, who basically used to tell me every single day that you can do whatever you want to do. And it's all mindset. And I honestly used to think he was loopy. Um, I used to think he wasn't crazy. And I used to just think, yeah, yeah, no worries. But actually, he was just so right. And if you think you can do it, you can. And if you think you can't, then you won't. Um, but once I think once, like, I think my husband still thinks I'm a bit loopy because I say that to him quite a bit. But I can take that and it works. And one of the things that we're really passionate about as a team is actually we've got quite a young workforce, um, a lot of apprentices and people who haven't worked previously or who've come straight from school or straight from college. And actually it's about instilling them to know that they can do whatever they want, whatever they want to put their mind to, they can do. Um, And he taught me that and it's, it's, I still speak to him every day and early, but it sits with me, really resonates um, that whatever you think you can do, you can just get on with it. And that sounds quite brutal and just get on with it because it's not that easy. But actually that's what it's about. Pull your big girl pants on and just crack on. Yes, yes, Emma. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to tell myself that next time. (laughs) I'm going to ring you, Emma, and be like, Emma, I'm having a bad day. And you're like, pull your big girl pants pants on. on. (laughs) (laughs) It's true, it's true. So who helped you, Doug? Or were you just completely self-motivated? We don't talk about underwear, by the way. Say again, sorry. We're not going to talk about your underwear, by the way. No, okay. I'm, yeah, let's not go, that, go down <laughs> that road, no. Um, I, I mean, at the, at the start, it was very very much just me, if I'm if I'm honest with you. Like, in, in a weird sort of way, actually, like, I, I mean, I found, and I've found other people have found similar, that, like, your nearest and dearest are often the ones to push you away from doing things, like, a little bit out there sort of thing. And it's out of love, you know, they just don't want to see you hurt yourself or whatever, so they'll try and talk you out of doing stuff that has risks attached to it sort of thing. Um, so it ended up, I felt quite like um, lonely almost at the start. And it was just really, it was really just me. And most people thought I was a bit of a plonker as well, <laughs> to be honest with you, you know, like like thought you were a bit of an idiot for doing it. But there were, there were a few people that I kind of ended up bumping into. And meant for me, like, you know you get some people you look at and you learn what not to do from as well you know as much as you'll meet people and learn what to do from those kind of people and like I've done a lot of network and I met Jenny networking probably seven seven years ago it was actually when I first started white digital actually yeah 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 yeah, I was still hot desking yeah yeah that's a long so a long 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 time ago 
And through networking, you end up meeting loads of people at different stage, stages of the business life. You know, some people are way ahead of you. Some people, more so now than back eight years ago, are a little bit behind you and you could maybe kind of give them some advice. Um, so there's, there's always those kind of little pricks, but like sort of alluded to what Emma said to you there, ultimately it is down to you. Like there's the one thing with being an entrepreneur is there's no one that you can look up to who's like your line manager and like basically just shove it all onto them and say, you know, you can sort that one out. You know, you haven't got anybody else. So uh, so like you, you've got to have, I always call it square shoulders versus slopey shoulders at the moment. You've got to have the squarest of shoulders, like nothing can roll off them. Like if there's a problem that needs to be fixed, no one else, you're not going to look around and someone else is going to fix it for you. It's only going to be you. And you might be able to have someone like Emma's got there who's really lucky she can ring up and ask. And I've got a load of people like that. And I could listen, I probably couldn't listen more on this call of people that I call for advice. But there's only one person who's actually going to roll the sleeves and get the hands dirty and go and fix it. And it's, and it's going to be you. So I think the whole thing for me is it's, it's like accumulation of knowledge, you know, like, and it's the same in absolutely anything. I've actually got my guitar sat just the other side of me there, so I'm going to use that as an example. Not that you ever want to hear me play guitar, well, certainly not sing whilst playing the guitar, because it's dreadful. Um, but, you know, like, you know, being able to play like an instrument or whatever, it's just a case of knowing what chords are. And as soon as you know what four chords are, you can probably bosh a tune out. But if you don't know any of the chords, then you actually have no chance whatsoever of getting a song out of the guitar. And it's much the same with the business thing, like just accumulation of knowledge over a long period of time. And, and like if you can, the, the mentors are people that you come across in the networking world, good and bad examples, but like books and podcasts and everything else that you can garnish, you know, like just some more info you've got in your head. The more more like ammo you've got to solve problems when they arise, I think that's been the big thing for me. Really, that's really helpful. What about you, Jenny? Is there anybody in particular who supported you? Well, not to be biased, Kay, but I'm a big fan of networking. Um, <laughs> Never. <laughs> Never. <laughs> I did not expect you to say I that. To me. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like genuinely though, like people, I think for me, like. Um, people in my network because everyone's got different area of expertise so like creating this I talk I babble on a lot about um network diversity and building a diverse network so networking for knowledge um and like Doug said about you know that accumulation of knowledge I'm a big fan of personal development so I've kind of as most people are on this personal development journey that probably for me began about four years ago so a couple of years before starting the business um, but I quit drinking, so I've been sober. I'm very open about my sobriety, something I'm very proud of. Um, and since then, um, I've done all kinds. I did a sign language night course. So I learned, got my British sign language last year. I did a counseling course. Um, I, I'm in the process of applying to do my PhD, which is wow. exciting. I discovered audiobooks when I was on maternity leave, um, which saved my sanity, walking up and down the streets with a pram. I was actually able to learn as I was doing it, which was just a game changer. Um, and pulling in from different, different parts of, I think, networks and something that really helped me as well last year, it was the first year for me in business, was becoming a mentor. So I volunteered at the Girls Network, which is an awesome charity that matches um, female professionals with young girls about the age of 16 um, to mentor for a year. So I mentored uh, a young girl for a year and it was just brilliant. It just gets you out your own head. You know, when you like get hung up on the little things about work and that and like business and stress and stuff. And then you go and mentor this young girl who is like unbelievable and 
tackling stuff that I didn't have to deal with at her age. And it just sorts you out and it puts you back in perspective. And I think that active, um, that active service is something that's really important that uh, enables you to, to just put, keep yourself in check, I think. Um, and they become mentors to you as well you know when you when you do things like that um but yeah essentially for me pulling in on all these amazing people i get to meet with the uh, experts in loads of different things lawyers accountants um digital surveyors now that i've met ever <laughs> you, you sound awesome i'm like yeah because it is stressful sound the house anyway um yeah all that all those amazing people i think that's yeah that's i think you made, you made a really good point there actually being a mentor to somebody else sometimes when the words are coming out of your mouth and you're explaining something someone you're like oh, i actually know like it's you know like it helped like solidify the knowledge in your own head a little bit you know and it Absolutely. actually really helps you just as much as it helps them sometimes you and know? you also you hear yourself saying it and you think sometimes you're like i should really follow my own advice there yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i should do yeah. what i'm telling you to do it yeah. does and you do stuff like that, don't we, Doug? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do like through on forum. We do quite a lot of mentoring. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've done a bit of stuff with Darlington College. Um, and, and what's really interesting now is that like, even friends of mine that from the networking world and from the business world in the northeast, general, which is a great community, by the way. Like we've got some really like forward-thinking, interesting people in the area. Uh, when someone kind of goes, mate, I want to buy you lunch and pick your brains for, for a couple of hours or whatever, you know, first time that sort of thing starts happening, that's like a bit of a, oh, it's that's free, quite nice thing. It? It's free lunch. Well, so. yeah. No. So you can tie again my golfing as well. I'm oh, there we go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. I was going to drop it in there. Anyone, anyone wants to pick Doug's brains, you take a golf. Yeah, you pay for the green fee. Free digital advice. For yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Doug touched on the region there a bit, Emma, um, and I'm curious to know how important it is for you to be based in the Northeast. Do you think it's something unique for your particular sector? Yeah, definitely. Um, so the Northeast is poorly served by surveyors. I'm going to put it out there where there's not many of us and there's not there's not enough of us, to be brutally honest. Um, so for us, we only cover the Northeast. So um, it's vital that we're based here and I think that's part of the issue with some of the larger national firms because they send a surveyor from wherever they've got a base Manchester London Leeds wherever to the northeast and I think we're a bit of an individual breed up here um so actually we we live work breathe in the northeast that's what we do um and I think that's that makes us really unique because we're we're literally in in the middle of the northeast um and that's where we cover and I think if we weren't it would be it would be odd because we, we I think if you're surveying in the area you have to know the area and if we're not based here then I don't know how you can possibly know the area um so yeah so that's one of the things we're really proud of we're based in the northeast everybody that works for us is based in the northeast all of our surveyors are based in the northeast in different parts of the area um and I think that's really vital absolutely what about you Doug did you ever have ambitions to be in a different part of the country yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, I did. And I was for a long time as well, to be honest. I only moved back to Darlington uh, four years ago, maybe, or something like that now. Maybe five, actually. Um, you know, and I was also in London because I thought I needed to be near airports when I was caddying and things. And then you realise, actually, it still takes an hour and a half to get to an airport when you live in London. Anyway. <laughs> so, like, you're just paying more rent, basically. So I, 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 didn't, I didn't say that I'm there for too long. Um, I think, I think like with much, many situations, like every, every situation has got its positives and its negatives. And, and 
you, and obviously media and everything want to try and focus on the negative as much as possible. But there are things that you, you really like can look at and say, well, that's actually quite tough. You know, like levels of basic education in the Northeast are like low, especially T are like lower than the rest of the country and things like that. You know, so you have got a few crosses to bear. Um, but then you also look at the Northeast at the moment and it's, it's massively on, on the up, you know, with like devolution type things and North Shore and everything that's going on. Like Teesside's going really well at the moment and the airport was the start of it. And, you know, Ben Houch and everyone else in, in his kind of group are doing a fantastic job on Teesside of driving the thing forward. I don't know if you noticed, but Saudi Arabians have bought Newcastle United as well and are now buying up half, half the city as well. So that's that's probably only ever going to end end well for, for the Newcastle kind of area of the northeast as well. And then, you know, through the holiday let business that I, that I had that I don't have anymore, I had a, a great opportunity to understand just how beautiful Northumberland is and like what sort of a pull. You know, you put the Lake District next to Northumberland and it's a good battle. Like it's not, it's not a, it's not a grandson home run win for the Lake District. Like Northumberland has a really good go at it. It's a fantastic part of the country. You know, you, you like look at the amount of bookings that we were getting in the holiday. Let's like it's significantly up since COVID kind of hit, like hugely without people you know, get on planes. Everyone was doing staycations instead. And even you look at it this year and travels, you know, international travels more allowed now. You're still seeing massively high booking levels in, in Northumberland because I think a lot of people have travelled to different parts of the UK and gone actually you know like this is a really pretty country I'm going to go and see a little bit more of it so I think I think you'll probably see it still does quite strong for the next few years on the staycation side of things so I think you know there's there's definitely difficulties with it you know in the web agency thing like I'm not a, a digital expert you don't want me building your website for you or designing yeah. something it'll end up looking like a stick figure on a piece of paper or something it's it, you know you'd be waiting a very long time for it so I'd get distracted and go and do something else. But I'm really lucky that I've got a great team. So like my entire business is driven around the back of the talent that I can kind of get in into the office sort of thing. Um, and there's a bit of a shortage in the Northeast and there's some really massive agencies that are sucking up a lot of talent. You know, like you've got Double Eleven over in Teesside, like the game development agency, you know, like massive business, like really solid business. You've even got big guys like Visual Soft have got big offices and 250 staff in Northeast. So it's a competitive job market um and all that and then you've got you know maybe like working digitally and remotely and all the rest of it maybe open things up and makes it a little bit easier but i think ultimately it's a great region to live in and you know i lived away from here for such a long time and i moved back and i was like this is absolutely lovely it's got everything you need you know like transport airports beautiful countryside access to northumberland the lake district the coast city centers you've literally got culture everything um, so no, I'm proud of being in the northeast, and I don't, I don't think I'll be moving away anytime soon. No. Oh, that's lovely to hear, Jenny. You were saying you were born in Cumbria. Do you want to take issue with what Doug said? No, <laughs> I totally agree. Love Northumberland. Yeah, totally agree. I'm the same as Doug. Like, I think the northeast has, has literally got everything. You've got those city centres, you've got theatres, restaurants, bars, but then you've got the beach, the the countryside, the history. I live in Durham, and it's just, it's just gorgeous. Like all of it, and not being from here. Um, I feel at home very much this is home for me. I've settled here. From a business perspective, I think it's just the most exciting place. It's so eclectic. The tech industry here is like outstanding. Um, you know, there's there's so much, such an entrepreneurial spirit in the region. Um, Liverpool was very much like that. And the Northeast similar, like the people are so friendly um, in terms of what's going on and stuff. I mean, um, my website lists so we've got a list on there of all the networking events in the region and there's on average 
anything between 150 and 300 events happening just in the northeast um so there's over 200 hosts on there there's loads um and that's going to be expanding to cover cumbria and teesside as well doug coming down to your way soon watch this oh, i was going to say have you got our yeah. events on coming there down to Valley, yeah we're coming have you down white, have you got white have you got our don't you um so there's there is there's so much happening and there's loads of opportunities um and but for me i think the people are what make the region like anywhere and the northeast's got some of the best absolutely oh that's great and also i need to plug chamber networking events as well obviously i hope that's on your list <laughs> absolutely yeah of course yeah otherwise i'd get killed <laughs> oh just to wrap up actually because i've i thoroughly enjoyed speaking to you all but we just need to bring everything to a bit round to a close and I want to finish with some sort of pithy advice, Emma, for the next generation of entrepreneurs. Could you summarise the qualities they need to have or some advice? I'll give you five words or a sentence, a couple of sentences at most. Well, firstly, that's a super hard question, so thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> um, Especially in five words, Emma. I know. I could talk for England, so five <laughs> words is out of it. I think if they want to do it, they will. And give it a go. Give it a go. That's four, but I'm taking that as a win. <laughs> That's brilliant. Thank you. What about you, Doug? Um, five words. I don't know. I think my main one is you can you can fail at the things that you don't want to do just as much as you can fail at the things that you do want to do. So you, you may as well have a point on the one that you actually want to do rather than fail at something. You that don't. was definitely more than five words. <laughs> was it? Was oh, mine was bad, Doug. I can keep talking if you want, but I'll stop. Jenny, you have a go. Um, I've counted mine, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go take risks and have fun. I think we forget, like, like I think running a business is just so much fun, and you just get to try all these different things. It's brilliant. Like, so don't forget that you should be having. It should be fun. Yeah. And by the way, the fact that Jenny counted five words, you can tell the reason why someone got expelled from school. And someone got expelled from school. <laughs> 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 what scares me more Doug is that I've got three maths A levels and can't clearly count to five <laughs> <laughs> and you count things for a living like you value things for a living which is even more worrying so, yeah. oh, <laughs> great and I think fun is an absolute the right word to go to go on you've been absolutely brilliant to talk to thank you so much for your time and I'm sure everybody who listens to this is going to really enjoy your stories and also all your advice um, thank you so much Thanks. Oh, thank you for having us.